Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Pete said, my name is James, and it's lovely to be with you there this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, would you mind turning to John 15? Um, that's where we'll be spending um, some of our time this morning. But um, before we do, do you mind if we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful that we can meet and that we can gather in your presence as your people and worship you, Lord and be with you, and hear your word. And that's what we ask this morning, that you would speak to us, and that our hearts would be open, and that you would change us, and spur us, and encourage us to live out what we hear of this morning. Um, We pray this would be to your glory, and for our joy and peace. Amen. Would you hear these words of Jesus? I have come that you may have life. And have it to the full. According to Jesus, what should characterize the lives of Christ's followers? What should the default setting be of the Christian life for followers of Jesus? Well, according to John 10.10, it's fullness. It's abundance. And it's satisfaction. Jesus has come that his followers might experience life and life to the full. Lives characterized by peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Lives characterized by love. As I've loved you, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Lives characterized by joy. Remain in my love so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Lives characterized by the fruit of patience, kindness, and generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Lives characterized by fullness. And yet Jesus also calls his followers to actively live out their lives to the full. Lives called to gospel-shaped mission and clarity. Lives called to gospel-shaped unity and sacrificial service. And lives called to gospel-shaped justice and righteous living. You are the light of the world, he says, and therefore let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Lives characterized by fullness, lives called to fullness. But if I'm honest, as I reflect on these promises of Jesus and the call of Jesus to life and life of the full, I can't help but feel a disconnect. And I wonder if you feel that disconnect too. A disconnect between the words of Jesus and the reality of my experience and my life. Because... Instead of lives characterized by peace and love and joy, more and more the world around us seems to be anxious, polarized, and superficial. Instead of lives called to be missional, service, and self-denial, more and more the world around us seems insular, selfish, and self-obsessed. So the question then becomes, how do we, as followers of Jesus, live lives that are lived to the full when we feel burnt out? when we are frantically busy, and when we're in this constant state of anxiety? How do we live out the gospel-assigned, self-sacrificial lives of service that we're called to? How do we serve sustainably? How do we continually grow to become more like Jesus? And how do we bear good fruit, the fruit that Jesus promises us and calls us to in our daily lives? Well, these are the questions that are at the heart of our discussion, and um, to try and help us answer these questions, would you turn with me again in your Bibles to John chapter 15, 
John 15, verses 4 to 8. And let's read together. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, though, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So how do we live lives, live to the full according to Jesus? Well, from our passage, I don't really think you can miss it. It's the word that's repeated and alluded to more than nine times in just these five verses. And I wonder if you noticed it as we read it through. It's the word remain, or in other translations, abide. It's that idea of coming and staying at home, or just simply being with someone. Jesus is saying here that if you want to live life to the full, then you need to remain in me. You need to abide in me. You need to be with me all the time. And Jesus uses a metaphor of a branch abiding in a vine to describe the life of a Christ follower abiding in him. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. Now what Jesus is referring to here by vine is essentially the stem or the trunk of a plant which connects to the roots that go deep down into the soil. So Jesus is the stem and we are the branches. Now the stem together with its roots are what sustain the ongoing life and growth of a plant. Branches live and grow and bear fruit only because they're connected to the stem or only because they're connected to the vine, to use Jesus' words here. So from the stem or from the vine, the branches are able to draw up water and nutrients that they need to live and grow. And these branches' ability to bear fruit is directly connected to being in the vine because the vine is the source. Fruit is found in the vine. Growth is found in the vine. Life is found in the vine. Because what happens if the branch doesn't remain in the vine? What happens if it's cut off or separated and it falls down onto hard, dry ground? Well, I think we all know what happens. Away from the vine, the branch is exposed. It's lost its source. It loses its source of water and nutrients. It loses its source of sustenance and growth and fruitfulness. It loses its source of life. The branch withers and dies. The branch cannot survive, let alone thrive, if it doesn't remain in the vine. And I wonder if you noticed as well that the branch's need to remain in the vine is a constant, present need. It's not enough for the branch to have been connected yesterday or last week or last season. If the branch is not in the vine daily, receiving from it the water and nutrients it needs, what it needs for life and growth and fruit, that branch begins to wither and die. But if that, if that branch does remain in the vine, and it's drawing daily from its true source and water and nutrients that it needs, that branch grows. That branch bears bunches and clusters of delicious, full-bodied fruit in season. That branch lives, and it lives life to the full. And just as branches have to remain in the vine to live, grow, and bear fruit, and 
The followers of Jesus have to remain in the vine that is him. We have to be with Jesus to then be able to become like Jesus and do what he did. We have to abide in his presence in order to live out lives that we're called to live. And we have to do this day after day after day. Jesus is saying that if you want life and life to the full, remain in me. If you want to grow, then abide in me. And if you want to be fruitful, then be with me all day long. And this is our prayer as a church, that we as Common Ground South Penn might be a people of God's presence, a people who remain in Jesus, who abide in him and who are completely dependent on him. Our prayer is that Jesus would be divine to our branches, that he would be our source, our source of sustenance, of personal and communal growth, and our source of godliness that's working in and through our lives, that this would be us, a people who commune with God, who depend on his empowering grace to go about our daily lives, and who experience his presence, yes, when we're alone and we're scattered throughout the valley, but also together, gathered in community, branches who day by day moment by moment, challenge by challenge, branches who draw all that we need from that ever-present, ever-able vine that is our Lord Jesus Christ, a people of God's presence. The question becomes how. How do we remain in Christ? How do we be with Jesus today since he's no longer with us physically? What does it look like to be a people of God's presence in the South Peninsula of Cape Town in the busyness of daily life. Would you turn with me a page back in your Bibles to John 14? A page back in John 14 is the same evening that Jesus is sharing his metaphor on the vine and the branches. And um, let's read together from verse 16. John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. Now that phrase, another advocate, is quite tricky to translate from the Greek to the English. It, it could mean, as it's translated here, another advocate, but it could just as plainly be translated another like me or another one of me. Basically, Jesus is saying here, I will give you another one of me to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So let's read on. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you in an even deeper way. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Lastly, would you skip down to verse 25? All of this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So according to Jesus, the way that you and I be with Jesus today, or remain in the vine, is via the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Well, it means that our first and and primary to the Holy Spirit, a constant awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit, this is how we be with Jesus, how we remain in the vine, how we abide. It looks like living moment by moment, mindful of God's presence with us and through, in us through the Holy Spirit. 
It looks like inviting God into every aspect of our lives, all things at all times. It looks like learning to be two places at once. On your commute, on Cormacie Road, stuck in traffic with taxis cutting you off, and being grocery shoppers on payday, and being with Jesus. Woman, coffee with friends, being with, being with Jesus, packing lunch for your Jesus, you're watching Netflix all day long, remaining in the vine today, look at God's presence because He's already with us and through His Holy Spirit. But it looks like acknowledging. God's presence of your daily the this way, but I think often misunderstood passage. So in your Bibles, Galatians. So what I do here is to see what Paul is doing with the teaching of Jesus in John 15. And as we, would you try to spot? remaining in the vine. And what I'd like us to see is how Paul takes this idea of abiding and then starts to work out the implications of it in our daily lives. So Galatians 5 from verses 13 to 26. Let's read together. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, and if you can follow along, would you say this out loud with me, the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So this is a famous passage, and, and rightfully so, I think. But unfortunately, I think it's often been misread. It's often been misread as a list of commands to do good or to be good. For example, take the list of uh, the fruits of the Spirit in verses 22 to 23. So we can read these verses. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And we can think of them saying, this week, go be more loving. Next week, go be more joyful. And through next year, go be more. I think we can think that the answer to being more loving or more peaceful is simply 
But I think we'd be mistaken. Because if you look in your Bibles again, does Paul actually command us to be or more peaceful? He doesn't. There's no and I think the is harder doesn't work. Just trying harder doesn't work because love and joy and peace and patience, they're not matters of the will. They can't just be manufactured by fruits of communion with Jesus and kindness and self-control are not a matter of the will, but of the inner disposition of heart once it's been transformed to be more like Jesus. So we can't cut teeth and be more loving. We can fake it for a little while, and that's not all bad. But the problem with willpower is that we all have a finite or limited supply of it, and most of us use up our willpower by 9.45 in the morning. So you can try and act more loving, but you can't be more loving. Otherwise, life would be so much easier. Imagine your spouse coming up to you and saying, man, you're so impatient. Be patient. Tick, boom, done. And like, it'd be great. But it, it, it doesn't work like that. Eh? Or take joy. You can choose to have a great attitude. You can try and rejoice in your day. And you can choose to get the right side. But then 9.45 in the morning, and then and then your responsibility and anxiety is that you can't be more joyful. You can act more joyful, and again, it's not bad. But you can't be more joyful or more at peace or more patient. Just trying harder doesn't work. But look again at our... In fact, you interpret one command in the whole of Galatians 5, verse 13 to 26. Once at the beginning, and then it's reworded again at the end. And it's this, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. And verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Or in the words of Jesus, remain in the vine. So we can't be more loving or more joyful or peaceful or patient, but we can constantly open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit and let him, as we partner with God, because it's always a partnership between God and us, we can open up and let God, the Holy Spirit, work those fruit out through us into the world, like fruit from a branch. That's the metaphor that Paul uses here, right? That of a fruit tree. And he's stealing it from who? Jesus. If you think of a vineyard or you think of an apple tree, how does an apple tree By trying really hard? Like, you know, you, you go into an orchard and you see this really stressed out apple and he's like, mm, just come on. No, like, the series. And see, they're not stressed out. They're not trying that hard. And it's a little bit silly, but I think you can get the point. It's actually a because how does an apple tree make an apple? By the branch abiding in the vine or the tree. How does a vineyard make a really good wine that you drink? By the branch abiding. Jesus of joy or peace, that inner disposition of Jesus which is leaked out into relationships and into action. 
conversations and, and out the world. Not really hard, but being in the vine. So as we live in a connection with God all through our day, over time he starts to transform us from the inside out to be more like Jesus. So the Apostle Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, by the Spirit. As Jesus says, remain in the vine. How do you do this? Keep in step with the Spirit, into the routine of our day in the vine. And how do you do it in the, in the chaos? In the frantic and digital world? Emails and meeting after meeting and fetching, trying to exercise and cook and a two-year-old. Do it. It's practice. This is what I mean, is that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to experience that life of Jesus, what Jesus called life and life to the full, that kind of default setting of love, joy, peace, patience, and on down that list. If you want to experience that kind of life, it's not enough to simply say that you believe some stuff about Jesus. You actually have to, as a follower of Jesus, follow him, as in Follow the way that he lived. You have to live like Jesus. You have to adopt his lifestyle. For example, think of a runner. Now, disclaimer, I am not a runner. My, my family are actually here this morning, and they can attest to this. They've tried for six years to try and get me to run through bribery and guilt tripping or just flat out saying, like, James, you've got to run. But it's been to no help, <laughs> to no avail. Now, look, before you judge me, like, I run, like, Sometimes, you wouldn't call me a runner, but, and there's a difference, because runners don't, they like glide, it's almost like they're floating along the road, like they're not even trying, they run fast and with endurance, fast me. I want to be a runner. I want to be fast. I want to be fit. I want to glide across the road. I want to be a runner. But then you start to think about the lifestyle that goes with it. My guess is because I'm not a runner, is that a lifestyle like a lifestyle all the time and every day, getting up early, going out in cold of Cape Town's winter, Hence that brutal southeaster, I could to do. It's training routine. It would involve self-discipline and creation and even self-sacrifice. I don't think runners go around eating McDonald's and KFC all the time like me. No, it's a whole lifestyle. It's a way of life. And I'm like, no. I think I'm good. I don't need to be a runner for now. Like, you see, I want the life. I want to be a runner, but I don't want the lifestyle. I don't want the 5 a.m.s or the strict pumping. And this can be, it can be 
into exercise, of learning a musical instrument or a new language, or reading more, or surfing, you name it. We want the life, but aren't prepared to live the lifestyle. The truth is that with the lifestyle comes the life. Because if you think about it, ways, not always, but our life, by lifestyles, rituals, and routines, how we spend our time and our money, how we the year, life is the lifestyle. So if you're a runner, of your day each week to training. You're intentionally thinking about what foods you eat, the foods that will enter you and strengthen you. Time and money to places and your training. If you're a runner, you live like a runner. Your lifestyle is the same. How we live and his lifestyle. We want the life of Jesus, we have to of Jesus. Because what we need to remember is in the same then look at God on full display. But at the same time, if you want to know what a human being looks like, Jesus in calling was to play of like, this is what a Look at me, life, and follow me. And as you read the four Gospels that account for Jesus' life, you notice a few kind of brushstrokes about Jesus' lifestyle. For example, he was never in a rush. He was unbusy. Or maybe the word was he was a community. And be with Eat lots of food and hang out with friends and family, but time alone. That kind of way overnight to a prayer retreat or slip away in the Garden of Gethsemane. His feelings with Jesus would spend a lot of time sleeping. My favorites because more than. Sleeping in is biblical. Look, he would Sabbath. He would get. He would day for worshiping people of God. And lastly, for example, he lived simply, as far as we can tell, just the clothes on his back, not out buying and selling and online shopping and Cavendish and long and that comes with these materialistic and hedonistic life. This is how Jesus lived. And as his followers, this is the lifestyle that we're called to adopt. The lifestyle that we're called to say about following Jesus and the practices of Jesus. It's unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual and haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our lives. There's nothing, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of our daily living. 
His point is that following Jesus, living like Jesus, keeping in step with the Spirit, this takes intentional commitment. It takes some reorganization and then some more reorganization in our lives. It takes time and it takes practice, practice that will take a whole time. But he says it's worth it because there is nothing, no technique, no level of no right relationship or in your life, no matter how good or bad you're doing, there's nothing that will enrich our life more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in your daily living, in the humdrum and stress, in the chaos and the reality of your life than a deeper and clearer perception that Jesus is with you. What others have called the spiritual disciplines are key, kind of essential non-negotiables And if you want to experience this kind of life. So what are the practices of Jesus? They're simply ancient practices modeled after the lifestyle of Jesus that enable us to prioritize our time with God. Think of them like habits, activities that, that you do with your mind and with your whole body. The whole person endeavors to orientate our lives around our true source, God himself. Examples include silence and solitude. This is intentionally taking moments in your day or your week to stop, to switch off and block out the noise. It's to sit in the quiet of, God, of God's presence and be mindful of him, to rest there and to be filled again. It can be anything from 10 minutes when you first wake up or to hour-long retreats in order to reorientate your heart and life back toward following Jesus. Another example is reading and memorizing parts of Scripture. This is intentionally keeping the scenes and words of the New Testament Gospels before our minds, carefully reading and rereading them day by day, letting God's Word fill our words, our thoughts and imaginations as you wake in the morning, as you move through the events of your day, and as you lie down at night. Walking with God's word present in your mind moment by moment. Or another one is keeping the Sabbath. This looks like intentionally switching off and stopping work to rest, rejoice, and worship for a whole day. It could be any day. It could be a Sunday. It could be from Friday evening to Saturday evening. But it's a day. It's intentionally setting aside a 24-hour block in your week and filling that day with the things that you love. Things that point you to God things that cause you to be grateful, and the things that bring you rest. Whether it's sleep, or going to the beach, or worshiping with your brothers and sisters, whether it's having your mates over for a bri, or being alone and reading a really good book, or just going for a run. It can be anything, but it's intentionally setting aside 24 hours to rest. Because God is God, and even He rested. And we are finite, weary creatures who need a rest too. Other practices could include morning and evening prayers, fasting and abstinence, gathering in community on Sundays and Wednesday nights for life group, or even just living simply. The point is that these practices of Jesus are not to be an end in and of themselves. No, each and every one of them is a means to the end, and that end is being with Jesus, it's abiding in the vine. They're a starting point a way of presenting yourself before God, saying, God, you're here. And I wasn't. I was off somewhere else. I was distracted and overwhelmed and noisy. 
But now, now I'm here, and I'm here with you, and you're here with me. We're together. And we remain, and we abide, and we keep in step with the Spirit. And in doing so, we then become more like Jesus. And we experience the fruit of life with Jesus, and we're empowered to live the way of Jesus in our valley. Through these practices, through adopting the lifestyle of Jesus, through being a people of God's presence, we experience Jesus is the way to the life of Jesus. So, Common Ground South Penn, let's choose to abide in him. As you came in, um, you were given a form and a pen. And what it is is simply something to start. It's something physical to write on, to commit to, to take home, and then try to put into practice. On it, you'll find a short summary that's been adapted from Bridgetown Church and their teaching called Practicing the Way. If you want to get a kickstart on how you put the practices of Jesus in your life, it's a great website to go to, Practicing the Way by Bridgetown Church. And in it, it covers some examples of the practices of Jesus that we've mentioned just now. It provides a helpful recommendations of where to start. And lastly, it has some helpful diagnostic questions that I would love for you to fill out. So as the band comes up, um, I'd love for you to sit just you before God that are in, on this page. What your current rule of life? As in, what are the rhythms and routines spend your time and your money? What are the things that organize your day or your and your weekend? And what are the practices that you need to add in or that you need to cut out or you need to change to help you abide in Christ? And throughout the year. And so would you fill them out and um, abide in the vine?